Episode 52, Sibling Rivalry Up till this point in the journey from Egypt, Moses had been leading the Israelites through the Lord's direction. However, not everyone was excited about it. Yes, challenges came from others in the tribes, but one wouldn't think it to come from within the family. For Moses, it did though. Welcome to the History of the Bible. In the last episode, we talked about the beginning of the journey for the Israelites from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land. However, the journey wouldn't last for long before they began to cause problems for themselves. The Israelites began to complain about wanting to go back to Egypt because they didn't have as nice of foods on their journey as they had in Egypt. When this happened, Moses came before the Lord saying that he was not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy. This is where the Lord has Moses gather 70 other men that were elders of Israel and were known to be leaders. This group of 70 men could be the same group that Moses brought up into Mount Sinai to come closer to the Lord and to share a meal together. It's also known in ancient Eastern cultures to have advisory groups of this size. These 70 men that Moses chose would gather together and Moses would place them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to Moses and took some of the spirit that rested on Moses and put it on the 70. When the spirit came on the 70 men, they began prophesying. Although it didn't happen again after this for the 70, what they prophesied is unknown. How they prophesied is believed by some to be done in different ways. Some scholars say that the context of the prophesying sounds to be where the men went into a trance and spoke utterances. This is known to have happened to other surrounding nations and their priests to gods and goddesses, where they went into a frenzied trance and supposedly spoke words from the divine. Often, these people that practice this would be considered madmen, while others believe that prophecy was for a small group of men and women in the Bible. They say that it was only the men giving praise and worship without prior training. However, more than likely, it wasn't either one. Yes, it may include praise and worship, but when the Spirit of God came upon them, they didn't fall into a trance and then wake up not remembering anything. What most likely happened is that when the Spirit of God came upon them, they began to hear the voice of God like never before and just spoke what they heard from Him. At the same time though, this would also give the 70 men an opportunity to know the voice of God. So that when they began to lead the Israelites, they would know the difference between the voice of God and their own thoughts when leading. However, an interesting thing happened. Two of the 70 men did not go to the tabernacle with the rest, but they were chosen to be part of the group of leaders. So when the Spirit was placed on the men, those two who did not show up for the get-together received a portion of the Spirit as well. 
when Joshua, who was Moses' assistant, told Moses to stop them, Moses said in Numbers 11, verse 29, Would that all of the Lord's people prophets, and that the Lord would put a spirit on them. This is believed to be a prophetic word from Moses and the expectation of the new covenant in which every believer would not only have the spirit of God on them, but within them. You see, in the old covenant, the spirit of God only came upon the people. It wasn't until the new covenant that the spirit of God came inside of people. Now that Moses had more help in leading the people of Israel, there were still more issues. This one would be from Moses' own family. The challenges to Moses' authority were from Aaron and Miriam. Now both Aaron and Miriam were Moses' brother and sister. Although it seems that it was mostly Miriam that did the challenging of authority, that or the Lord didn't punish Aaron because he was the high priest and was needing to do the animal sacrifices. It seems that they were complaining that the Lord does not only speak to Moses, but that they both hear from the Lord. They didn't go after Moses, but rather they went after his wife and his decision to marry a Cushite woman. Now, there's been some confusion with the Cushite woman, because when Moses left Midian, his wife's name was Zipporah, and she was a Midianite, not a Cushite. Therefore, there have been some thoughts on what could be happening. Either Moses' Midianite wife died, and he remarried to a Cushite, or there have been some that suggest there is a connection between the Cushites and the Midianites being the same people. To give a little background on Moses and his wife, when Moses left Egypt after killing the Egyptian guard, he ran to Midian, which is east of Egypt. Here is where he found a family that had seven daughters who were all shepherdess. Eventually, Moses would end up marrying one of these daughters. Her name was Zipporah. The next time that Zipporah would be mentioned in the Bible, is when Moses was on his way back to Egypt, and it says in Exodus 4, verse 20, that he put his wife and sons on a donkey and headed back to Egypt. Wife would be singular at this moment. This is important because some believe that Moses had two wives. During this trip, it was when Moses' wife circumcised their son and it saved Moses' life. After this event, it seems that Moses would send his wife and sons back to the land of Midian. It wouldn't be until after the exodus of Egypt that Moses would be reunited with them. Now, here in Numbers 12, verse 1, it hasn't been more than two years after the departure of the Israelites from Egypt, and Moses is married to a Cushite woman. Again, it has been suggested that the tribes of Midian and the Cushites, or sometimes referred to as the Ethiopians, could be closely related, or that the name was interchangeable to mean the same people group. Habakkuk 3, verse 7, mentions both people groups in the same sentence, making some to believe that they are the same people. However, as mentioned, Midian is east of Egypt, 
in the land of Cush, or Ethiopia, is south of Egypt. This would more than likely mean that the Cushite woman that Moses married was another woman than Zipporah. Also, with Miriam and Aaron coming to confront Moses about the marriage between Moses and the Cushite woman makes it seem more of a recent event. Because from the time that Moses arrived in Midian to the Exodus is over 40 years. More than likely, Moses had been married for 40 or so years, or at least somewhere around that duration of time. So why would they be bringing up an issue like the woman who Moses married 40 years after the fact? This is why many believe that Moses married another woman, either in addition to the existing wife Zipporah, or Moses' first wife died. This would mean that Moses got remarried to a Cushite woman, a whole nother woman besides Zipporah. The reason that this could be an issue is that the Israelites have been warned about marrying foreigners because they would often pull them away from the God of Israel to worship the foreign gods and goddesses. So did Moses break the command of the Lord? Most likely not. The reason is that foreigners could be brought into the fold of the Israelites and become a partaker of cultural events and celebrations. If they came into the fold of the Israelites, then they were to be treated as an Israelite, freely able to be married by an Israelite. In reality, this is most likely what happened, and that Moses found a woman after the death of his first wife and remarried a woman of Cushite descent that had taken on the new identity being an Israelite. This is the issue that Miriam and Aaron brought to Moses, challenging his decision to marry a foreigner, even when it would have been okay to do so. However, when looking at the confrontation of Miriam and Aaron, it seems to be more geared towards the challenging of Moses and his authority rather than who he married. That was just a point that they could go off of. You see, some believe that Aaron and Miriam were jealous of Moses' position and wanted to step into a higher place of honor. Aaron was a high priest, a very high position in society, and Miriam was a prophetess. Both Aaron and Miriam had claimed that God had spoken to them as well, and that Moses shouldn't be any greater authority than them. All three would be called by God to come up to the tabernacle. Here, the Lord would come down in the pillar of cloud and talk to Aaron and Miriam. The Lord would tell them that being a prophet, the Lord usually spoke to them in dreams and visions. Whereas Moses, the Lord spoke to him like a friend, face to face. The Lord was correcting both Aaron and Miriam. However, it seems that it might have been so more Miriam leading the challenges to Moses. Because when the Lord finished talking to them, she was left with leprosy. Moses then would cry out to the Lord to heal her, which he would, but the Lord required that she go out of the camp and remain separated from the rest of the people for seven days, the time that it would take for her to become clean. Once the order of authority had been restored and Miriam was back in the camp, it was time again to move out. 
they would move to camp in the wilderness of Paran in a place called Kadesh Barni. This wilderness would be to the south of the promised land. The exact location of the place they stayed is not fully known. Either one of two places it could have been. One place had vegetation and water in abundance here so that all the people and herds could have something to eat and drink. The spring at this place is believed to have produced about 1,400 cubic feet of water per hour. That would be about 10,500 U.S. gallons of water every hour. The second place that is believed by scholars that could have been the place that the Israelites stayed was also in the wilderness of Paran. There would be an oasis in this place, but some scholars believe that it would not have been enough water for all of Israel and their herds. Neither one of these locations can be for certain, as they don't have any evidence of a large group of people staying there. But then again, the tribe that lives in tents in the desert doesn't leave much of a footprint on things around them. It was from here that Moses would send out the twelve men to spy out the land. The spies would be in the promised land for 40 days, investigating everything about the land. What is the land like? Is it fertile soil? Are there cities? If so, are they fortified or not? What are the people in the land like? Are they strong or weak? The 12 men would travel around 500 miles over the 40 days of investigation. Although some scholars suggest that when the Bible talks about 40 days, it isn't referring to an actual account of 40 days. Often, it was more to get the idea across that it was an indefinite amount of time, especially a time period over a month long in duration. The reason that Moses chose 12 men was because each man represented a tribe. However, it was never in the plan to send the 12 men. At least, it wasn't the Lord's plan. It was the people of Israel that came up to Moses and wanted to send men into the land so that they could bring back a report on which route and cities and towns that would be encountered. Basically, do a reconnaissance mission. To Moses, this plan seemed to be good, so he picked 12 leaders among the tribes, each one representing the tribe. Moses did also want a report to be brought back about the fruit of the land, and for this, he wanted them to bring back samples of the land and its fruit. The mission was most likely done in late July, as this is when the first ripe grapes began to appear, and when the spies were sent into the land. When the spies were sent into the land, they traveled the whole extent of the promised land. The spies discovered the land to be flowing with milk and honey. This phrase simply refers to the abundance of the land. When they cut some of the fruit to bring back, they cut a single cluster of grapes that was so large that it had to be carried on a pole between two men. They would also bring back some pomegranates and figs. The land was full of fertile soil and fruit-bearing plants. It was the land that they were always told about. All they needed to do was go and possess the land just like the Lord had in store for the Israelites. However, 10 of the 12 spies could only focus on why they should not go in to possess the land. You see, 
Although the land and its fruit was worth it, a great place to settle down and build a home for a nation. The people that currently lived in the land were not just some pushovers. We're going to wrap up this episode right there. Though a shorter episode, we're going to begin looking at the land of Canaan, also known as the Promised Land, and the people that were already living there. This would give a little bit of a background of why the ten of the twelve spies would not want to go into the land and possess it, as well as who the Israelites would be dealing with in the coming years as they eventually would step into the promise that the Lord made to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So join us next time in episode 53, The Land of Canaan. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.